I appreciate this opportunity, but I believe I'm more nervous this morning than I was 18, 19 years ago when I was asked if I could speak for five minutes on the subject of tithing. And I said, I can't do it. I ain't, I ain't got a clue. Well, you try. And I said, yeah, I'll try. So I tried, I failed. But the reason I failed is because I was using Malachi, the Old Testament, versus giving out a love for the New Testament. And I mean, that is my thinking anyway. But I uh, appreciate Pastor Jake giving me the opportunity, and I truly love to teach. And the interpretation I have with Scripture is obviously not what everybody else has, because when I sat back there on the left corner from here, you know a lot of times I agree or disagree, but I generally, like Paul Peter, I always have something to say whether good or bad. And he's my... Uh, favorite of all the the disciples because me and him are just alike with the exception of I can't write books of the Bible and I can't preach at 3,000 to be saved and some of them other good points but his failures is where we're going to be looking at this morning until he becomes the stone man. At the point he becomes the stone man, he he just thrills my heart. Now, I'll never reach that, and I'm not attempting to, but he is so much... No, that's wrong. I'm so much like him that I love him. Does that make sense? All right, John chapter 1. And uh, I guess better have a word of prayer. Father, help me to help your people. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 1, and I'd like to read verses 40 through 42. Now, you folks, some of you don't know it, but the rest of you will hear real quick. I use a Schofield Study Bible. And there's a lot of hillbilly in it. If you don't understand hillbilly, you probably wish I'd have let you read it, but I ain't gonna. <laughs> One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which has been interpreted to Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation the stone. Now, I was raised down in the country, and we had stone, pebble, and rock. So I called Peter the stone man. But I do not believe that you could call Peter the stone man for three years he's with Jesus. As far as I'm concerned, he didn't become the stone man till the day of Pentecost. But from that day on, he was what Jesus expected him to be. As I looked at this and I was thinking, well, the Lord didn't name Peter Cephas because of what he was. It's what he would be after uh, he spent that time with Jesus and the day of Pentecost come. Now... <clears throat> I want to look at some lows and a couple of highs of Peter. Uh, 
So turn it to Matthew. We've been there from uh, the 16th chapter through the 26th. And this is the height of Peter. And I'm going to start reading the verse 13. When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias and others, Jeremiah, and one of the prophets. He said to them, But whom say ye that I am? And here's the high. And Peter answered and said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit revealed to Peter that Jesus was the Messiah, the <clears throat> one written about, the one that would come into the world. Now, that's a high for him. <clears throat> but just turn the page, and we'll read verse 21 through 23. This is a terrible low. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem, suffer many things of elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be yet far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said <clears throat> unto Peter, Get thee behind me. Satan, that for thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things that uh, be of God, but they, those that be of men. Now, Peter <clears throat> was willing to take his sword and fight for Jesus later on. But here he rebukes Jesus because he says he's going to die. He had no notion of what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about his death and resurrection. But Peter completely missed it. And he says, you can't do it. That's satanic. And you can hear it today on the radio and on television. If if you got, like Dr. McGee says, that little blood-tipped ear, well, mine's big, but if you got that blood-tipped ear, you can pick up some of the things that these people are saying and that deny uh, <clears throat> Jesus was virgin-born and and God manifests in the flesh. Now, the next place where he was low is in the 17th chapter. And I'm just going to read verse 4. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. Now, the problem there was Peter is putting Jesus, the God-man, on the same plane with man. He wanted to, he didn't know any better, so he makes Jesus, Moses, and Elijah all one and the same. But that's not true, and the Lord rebuked him for it. Uh, it says in verse 5, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, and whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. So that, that was a, a low for Peter. And then when Dr. Luke gives this account, he said the reason Peter said what he did was because he uh, <clears throat> didn't have anything else to say, and I'll interpret that before I forget it. 
his mouth came open, but his brain went to neutral. Now, the next place, I forgot where the next place is at, but it's in Matthew. I believe, uh, 17, chapter 26. And this is 31 through 35. <clears throat> then said Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered, scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Now here's his down. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, This night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me three times. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said the disciples. Well, did he deny him? Sure he did. Now, is that a high or low? That's got to be a low, right? Okay, now look at uh, uh, the 26th chapter and verse 69 through 75. <clears throat> now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said unto Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew, and Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said unto him before the cock crew, There shalt deny me thrice. And he went out or three times and went out and wept bitterly. <clears throat> when I sin, and I don't practice sin, but when I do, it really bothers me. But I have never had real deep weeping over it. I ask God to forgive me. I believe that He does. But this poor man was absolutely, positively heartbroken because this was an awful thing he'd done. The only person that sinned any lower was Judas, and Judas wasn't saved. But Peter was. And so I take the position that poor old Peter was the saddest man on the top side of the earth for three days and three nights. 
Now, has anybody got a clue as to where I'm going there when I talk about how sad he was for that three days and three nights? Or anybody want to make comments or ask questions? I probably can't answer them, but I'll try. Pardon me? Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. But look at 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. And keep in mind, Jesus named Peter Cephas in John's Gospel. Remember that? So in 1 Corinthians 15, and I still say, I believe he was the saddest man on the top side of the earth. Now, when Paul is talking about the resurrection, he's he's saying that Christ died for all of our sins according to the Scriptures. There was a burden that rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And then in verse 5, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. It seems like Jesus was making sure that he restored Peter to fellowship because he was so far gone that he would have been no good whatsoever had he not appeared to him personally and allowed Peter to get right with him. I don't think Peter believed that he would ever see Christ again because Scripture makes it clear that none of those men knew about the resurrection. And that night, that Peter denied him. They all denied him. It's this that Peter swore and it's recorded here for us. But after Peter uh, denied the Lord, I think he was extremely unhappy. But when Jesus appeared to him here in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and allowed him to get right, I think he went from the most unhappy man on the top side of the earth to the happiest man on the top side of the earth. Now, in 40 days and 40 nights, Peter grew leaps and bounds. And by the time you get to the book of Acts, he's a full-grown stone. He ain't no more little bother baby. He ain't stumbling. He ain't falling. It's true that he made a couple mistakes, but... Uh, by and large, he lived up to the name that Jesus gave him. Now, look at uh, Acts chapter 1. Remember I said 40-day post-ministry? Well, here's where I get this. After the uh, Lord met with Peter, I'm going to read chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The former treaty have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began to begin both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So Peter had 
40 days to be with Jesus, and I don't know, I can't prove it, but I would say that he was probably with Christ every waking moment of that 40 days and nights. I'm sure he slept some, but every opportunity he was with Jesus, and he was learning. In 50 days, <clears throat> he stood up and preached a message to the very people that had scared him into denying Jesus. And he was now going to live up to his name. And that's another reason I think that the uh, Lord named him uh, Stone because you had to be tough to do what Peter did. You had to love the Lord, but you also had to be tough. Now, <clears throat> this message that <clears throat> Peter taught on the day of Pentecost has been knocked around by many people at many different times, and you can get uh, water baptism out of it if you want to. Of course, you can't get saved. Uh, you can speak in tongues out of this if you want to, but you can't really speak in tongues. You can uh, <clears throat> go back to the time of Joel, and you can prophesy and lay on hands and get drunk in the Spirit. You can do all those fun things that people do in the flesh, but don't mount anything. You <clears throat> you can do uh, a lot of things from the book of Acts, but do you know what Peter's uh, subject was on the day of Pentecost? It wasn't Joel and Joel's prophecy, and it wasn't water baptism and all that. Does anybody know what the subject actually was? Well, pardon me? Well, his subject, what he actually spoke on that day to the, to the nation of Israel. Yes, it was being born again, but he had a particular subject that he spoke on. No, it's all good, but his subject was the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now, his text was the 16th Psalm. And we'll read some verses here, uh, and you'll see what I'm, what I, I think you will anyway. I hope you do. Ye men of Israel, verse 22. Ye men of Israel, not Royal Oak, not Timbuktu, not Kentucky, not California, not the TBN network, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man approved of God among you, by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye, ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken him by wicked hands of crucified and slain, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. Evidently, Jesus did different miracles for different reasons. It says that uh, he did uh, <clears throat> uh, miracles, wonders, and signs. 
I don't know what all he he did do, but there's three listed there. But the point that Peter is making is that God raised him from the dead. And then when he covers all the bases, all the denials they can have, all the way back from the very first of Acts up to now, and all the Old Testament prophecy that he thinks they need, he begins to talk about the resurrection. And as I said, he was talking about uh, the 16th Psalm. Now, verse 25. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always, before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou will not leave my soul in, should be Sheol, but uh, it says hell in my Bible, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Now, Jesus is the only one who ever was buried and rose again that didn't see corruption. And he never will. Now, if the rapture don't take place, we're all going to go through death and we're all going to see corruption. But not him. Now, there's a lot of... I guess liberals that will not accept the death and resurrection of Christ for sin. And they will not, absolutely will not accept Psalm 16 verses 8, 9, and 10 as being... uh, part of the resurrection message. They deny it completely. But I got a question for you. If Second uh, Timothy three sixteen says all scripture is given by inspiration of God, that means that David under inspiration when he wrote Psalm sixteen was writing God's word, don't it? All right, now, if Simon Peter is full of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and he says that uh, Psalm 16 is part of the Word of God, then I take it that Psalm 16 is part of the Word of God, and you can't deny it. Now, verse 25 26 and 27 is the three verses from, uh, excuse me, verse 25, 26, and 27 of Acts chapter 2 is the three verses in Psalm 16, 8, 9, and 10. Now, he goes on and he says, Thou hast made known unto me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. All right? Here he goes again now, and he's just preaching again. He said, Men, brethren, let me freely speak to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, 
and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He said this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Sheol, neither in uh, his flesh did see corruption. And I, I think I read that already, but it's worth reading again. Uh, the reason that so many people in so many churches in the United States are weak isn't because they don't read the Scripture, they don't study the Scripture. Many of them are like me. They read it, but they don't understand it. The only way in the world for any of us to grow is to look at the living Savior. You say, Bill, you're being silly now. Well, perhaps I am. But this is a H-I-M book. And I certainly couldn't find him on every page, but he's in it from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, 21. Now, I've got a friend that says he can find him on every page, but I know my friend pretty good, and I can guarantee you he can't find him in every chapter, let alone every page. But if we will read the Word and study the Word, we'll begin to see Jesus as the Word wants us to see Him. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't see Him very clear. But my desire is that someday I will. And I, when I say someday, I mean like next week and the week after and the week after and the week after. Because there's a time coming when he's going to rebuke us for not learning about him. And if we don't see him as a resurrected Christ, then we won't really learn and understand him. Uh, for example, many a preacher, and when I say many a preacher, I mean a saved preacher, will preach all day on his death, and it's true he died. He had to die. But they never teach on a bodily resurrection. The fact that he's now up in heaven as the high priest. And we we need that. We needed a lot more uh, balanced. We need a lot more balanced out message. Sure, he had to die. And yes, he did. And you can't diminish that one whit. But he also is living now, and his ministry now is not dying. His focus is on getting us to confess sin and to grow. And remember what Peter said over in Second Peter 3.18? After he had been saved for a very long time, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior. And P. 
Peter led him down many a time before Pentecost. And I'm very sorry to say it, I've laid him down this morning. I can't help it. I cannot live up to what he wants me to be. Uh, I don't think any of us can live up to what he wants us to be until we fully mature and again... Churches across the country is weak because the focus isn't on a living Savior that's going to judge us. Focus is on the Savior that died for us. And sure He did, and He had to. Remember over in 1 Corinthians 15 when Paul was talking about the gospel? Christ died. He was buried. He rose again. And so if He didn't die then we would have no salvation. It takes both, but it's got to be balanced out. And Paul says, we no longer know him after the flesh. We don't. And every message of Paul's was mingled with the resurrection. <clears throat> now, I realize I started out on Peter, and uh, but Paul always had something to say about the resurrection. You remember I was, <clears throat> excuse me. You remember I was talking about the <clears throat> Peter using the 16th Psalm <clears throat> for his uh, text and his subject. Well, look at Acts the 13th chapter. Uh, I know that uh, this is just a sidebar, but I hear great criticism of Billy Graham all the time, how he's joined up with the world, how I would never go listen to him, and how he's done this and he's done that. Fine. Okay. You don't want to hear Billy Graham? That's fine. But Paul, as a believer, went into the synagogue and talked to the Jews. And he didn't go teach them law. He went and taught grace. Now look at uh, verse, Acts 13, verse 35. Wherefore, he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Does that sound familiar? Hmm? For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. Be it known to you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. You see, Paul believed in the resurrection, and he used the Old Testament to prove it to the Jewish people. But today, God expects us to read it and rightly interpret it. Not when I say us, I mean all of us. We're to read it, interpret it, and then start growing. And the 
the more we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, the more He'll reveal to us spiritual truth. The more truth we get, the stronger we get. And the stronger we get, the bigger we'll get. Now, I believe with all my heart, if all of us did what we're supposed to do and talked about the living Savior, we'd start filling this place up again. Now, I understand it used to be full. And you can, I don't know why it's not, but I don't know why AM's not. Only only place that's full now is the, well, I promise not to be mean. I might make a mistake here and there, but, or a lot of mistakes, but I ain't going to be mean. Uh, there's churches that uh, are full because they hear a message that appeals to the flesh. Yeah, I, I'll just go that way. They hear a message that appeals to the flesh, uh, and it's never uh, that a living Savior will judge you. Never. But that's His ministry today, and and He's doing it. Now, in uh, Psalm 16.8, you have the life of Jesus. <clears throat> I better check a note and make sure I'm saying that the way I want to. Didn't put it in no note. Psalm sixteen eight is the life of Jesus. Psalm 16.9 is the resurrection of Jesus. No, I'm sorry, the death of Jesus. And Psalm 16.10 is the resurrection of Jesus. So, we know that He was the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. John 1.28 We know He died to save sinners. And Paul the Apostle said, under the inspiration of God, he was the chiefest of sinners. I'm not inspired. I'm telling you the truth. I can say, move over, Paul. I want to sit down beside you. But the grace of God can reach down so far that he pulled me up. Now, I don't live like I used to, but I still stumble. And sometimes I stumble really bad, and I ain't going to tell you what it is. But when I stumble and fall, I know how to get back up and keep going. And I said here two or three months ago that in God's eyes, I probably, spiritually speaking, am in the kindergarten or first grade. And I seriously doubt that I've advanced more than that. But honest to goodness, I have met people since I've been saved that have no more discernment than a goat grazing grass on a hillside. 
Why? Because they don't have their heart, their mind, their focus on the eternal. They got it on the here and now. And when we have our focus on the here and now, we certainly are not looking at the uh, living Savior. And the only way to have anything when we leave here is to do it while we're here. Let's pray. Father, thank for the Word and uh, thank for these people that uh, are here. And I don't know if I helped anybody or not, but I certainly helped myself because I'm teaching me this morning. And I thank for the opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.